This is the Press Box. He's just doing his own self-critique. He's just listening to these rejoins, oh, disgusted in his own voice, apparently. Yeah. The only thing I'm not disgusted is whacking that thing around, because it is me. With Grady and Bischoff. He literally, it's the exact same thing. It's the exact same thing. Ed was, a, was an actor at one point. He can cover voices. <laughs> Child actor. On ESPN Las Vegas. I was a child around. actor. Yeah. Look at those new headphones. I know. You no longer have your broken headphones with the dangling <laughs> earpiece by your chin. You have real headphones on that work. <laughs> well. <laughs> for now. I thought they were broken and Danny turned on my mic and it was uh, it was all good. Danny, if you just shut off the audio to his headphones randomly throughout the show. That would be good. awesome. I'll be freaking out. <laughs> saying I can't believe I paid for these darn things yeah new headphones this morning very excited it's a big day it is did you ever figure out what those little plastic things are on your backpack no they're still on there oh you didn't take them off no i will cut cut them them off today i'll cut them off today yeah there's no use i showed you last night it got stuck in my zipper and i couldn't unzip the bag to get to my laptop yeah ed's got a new backpack and there's a weird (laughs) zip tied eight plastic things on there that we cannot figure out what they are for and he has left them on there even though they are making his life more difficult and they're different colors and last night my colleague uh, a new colleague at the review journal andy said what's the blue and red one for (laughs) i said i don't know what the orange and green one are for so it's like i don't know what any of these are for we actually tweeted it out and you tweet something out here you get some response i mean if someone know knows something and no one responded <laughs> no one had any idea why i have a bunch of plastic uh, things on my backpack and no one could even tell us oh well the first bite so there's always going to be rumors when you a new regime coming in and you got a quarterback who's entering the final year of his deal can you say definitively, barring injury, Derek Carr's your starting quarterback week one? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt, uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, I, I really am excited about this opportunity to work together. Um, I know what he's done, and, and, I, and I know what we might be able to do going together, and that's what really excites me. Uh, looking forward to, to building that process uh, as we go into April, May, June, July. Uh, and continue to grow together. Uh, it's really an important relationship, the head coach, the quarterback, the play caller, the quarterback. Um, there's got to be a synergy there, and I believe that, that we're on our way to doing that. Ed, if somebody asked you, do you love me, and you respond with, sure, absolutely, is that encouraging? <sighs> Not really. <laughs> no one asks me that. <laughs> so I don't, have to, I don't have to worry about that. Um, that was Josh McDaniels, Raiders new head coach. Here, here's the thing I um, want to get to. it, And we'll get to Josh Jacobs later. He answered questions the other day without really, in my mind, without really answering. Now, he was pretty, he was pretty sturdy on the fact that Carr is going to be his quarterback. But my question is, when he later says they haven't had any talks with an, about an extension, why not? Why, why haven't you at least broached your subject? Do you think he's telling the truth? That's the other thing. I don't, you never know if coaches or GMs are telling the truth. Nothing against them, but come on. They, you rarely believe everything they say. Right. And so that's the interesting thing is that Josh McDaniels, the two, the two money quotes from yesterday was one, he said they have not talked to Derek Carr about an extension. And two, he said he's absolutely the starting quarterback yeah. week one of the Raiders, which... I don't know what that implies. Like if we take both of those at face value, that means that the Raiders are going to try to get Derek Carr to play without an extension. This that's year? what, that's what you keep thinking. Like he might be the quarterback, but are they going to say, okay, 
we really, really need to get to know each other. So you just play for the 20 million and then we'll see if we like each other. And that's listen, that might be the best point because Josh McDaniels multiple times yesterday, not once, but in multiple answers talked about getting to know Derek Carr Mm -hmm. talked about. We're still in that process of getting to know Derek Carr. And if you go back to the introductory press conference, when the GM Dave Ziegler was asked about Derek Carr's extension, that's what his answer defaulted to was we got to get to know Derek Carr and we got to get to know what he likes and what we like and how we can work together. Like first off, how long does it take to get to know Derek Carr? Like it's not like he's hey, just they, some, say they said he's been out there a lot. And I mean, how many conversations can you have? Right. With him? And it's not like he's just some unknown guy. You right. knew he's quarterback when you took the job. So that's a fascinating thing because get to know him. Are they kind of using that phrase to mean, well, let's see how we do in year one with Derek Carr right, before we right. commit anything to him. And that brings up like, that's the most fascinating way for this offseason to play out is for the Raiders, for McDaniels and Ziggler to say cars are quarterback cars are starter, but never give them the extension because then you're basically going into a one year tryout if you're yeah. Derek Carr. And the other part that's interesting on that. Derek Carr is one year left on his deal. It's 19 plus million a year. Would he hold out? Would he say, I'm not yeah. showing up to offseason workouts or training camp? Or what? would he hold out and say, you guys need to give me an extension before I play again? Well, I think you can, I think you can hold out for offseason and not get fined. Uh, yeah, I think I, it's training camp. You start getting fined. Training camp, you get, it might be like 50,000 a yeah. day. They, they've, they've made it so holding out in training camp is, even if you make $19 million a year, it's very difficult. You just lose a ton of money. Right. So... Yeah, I mean, OTAs off season, uh, but it goes back to if he does that, he's going to, those quotes are going to come up like, I don't want to play for anyone else. I'm a Raider till I die. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I'm all about the Raiders. Now, maybe at that point he won't care and he wants a contract, to, you know, he wants an extension more than what he said in the past. But I know the agent wants an extension bad. So maybe the agent would convince him, you know, you've got to, you've got to make a stand here. And whether it's OTAs or workouts or whatever it is, maybe we won't see him at local parks anymore throwing passes <laughs> to Hunter Renfro. No, Zay like Jones. Always Zay Jones. Was it Zay Jones? Park. Always Zay okay. Jones at the park. So here's the other interesting part on this. February 13th, Ian Rappaport said, sources say the Raiders are moving forward with Carr at quarterback and, prepare, and are prepared to discuss a contract extension that would keep him in Las Vegas for the foreseeable future. So February 13th, the Raiders were apparently prepared to discuss a contract extension. On March 2nd, the Raiders say they have not discussed right. a contract extension. So my question on that is Ian Rappaport's source, and I know Vinny from the Review Journal and Raider Nation Radio, I know he had uh, something on this as well, Is was all of that news simply coming from Carr's side? Was that all oh, coming a great chance from that's Derek true. Carr and not from the organization? There's a great chance that's coming from the agent. And so if that's the case, it makes it look like Carr and the agent – are pushing really hard to get this extension yes. while the Raiders might be saying, well, yeah, let's hold on now. We need to go to dinner. Like which is 16 nothing, more which times. is nothing new for agents and players. I mean, they, they, <laughs> they, they push narratives all the time to media and, and there's nothing and look, I mean, the media is some of the media's best sources are agents. I get that. That's kind of part of the game that's being played. But if you listen to Josh McDaniels yesterday, I don't think that it was them on February 13th saying we're trying to get an extension done. It hasn't, their narrative so far hasn't been close to that on any times they've been asked about him. Yeah. And that again, like you said at the beginning, how much should we actually believe what they're saying to the media, right? Josh McDaniel says, Oh, he's absolutely our week one quarterback. 
somebody offers him five first round picks tomorrow, Derek Carr's not the week one right. quarterback. But how much should we believe it when they say they, you know, haven't had those discussions or that he's absolutely the week one quarterback? Like none of this actually means a whole lot, right? Like what Josh McDaniels says to the media on March 2nd at the combine, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. Sure. If they trade Derek Carr away, we'll get to play that soundbite of him saying absolutely. And then, and be like, Oh, look at this guy. He lied, but it doesn't really mean anything. They can do whatever they want just because they said Carr's absolutely going to be the week one starter doesn't mean much. I I find the the extension conversation a lot more interesting in the way that they've sort of danced around that topic every single time it's been See, brought up. I sort of thinking I sort of believe him when he says they haven't had contract extensions because if they had, what's the purpose of saying right. you have it? Right. Then it, then the player's going to be like, "What are you talking <laughs> yes. about? We ha- we've had three conversations." Derek Carr sitting like, "Wait a minute." So my guess is I they haven't the had message. contract extension <laughs> conversations yet. I would assume they haven't either. Um, which to, to go back to the reporting question that I had, if Ian Rappaport, if Vinny or what, if anybody that reported, Hey, the Raiders are going to offer Derek Carr an extension or whatever. Was that Carr's agent saying, Hey, we talked to them. Like, like, I guess like what did Carr's agent think was happening back on March? Who told him anything? Right. Like, why did he think the Raiders were going to offer an extension while the Raiders are out here saying, we haven't had that conversation. We got to get to know him. We got to go to dinner 15 more times before we actually do this. So that's an interesting part. The other part that I can't get over, though, why would McDaniels and Ziegler take this job if they weren't already committed to Carr? You know what I'm saying? Like, well, there's very few times you're going to get offered a, pro, a head head coaching job. I, I'm I'm okay. not surprised he took the job. Okay, I mean, you're sitting around. You already did it once. That you might failed be true. at it. I mean, there's very and Ziegler had never really been a GM because Belichick runs that organization. Yeah, that might be true. So. I think you don't turn the job down. I mean, I think it would have been, I think in their minds it might have been better if they had more of a sense of car and more of a sense they wanted to do a quarterback, but I don't think you ever turn that job down. Okay. I was, I just, most new head coaching, head coaches in the NFL take over bad teams because the coach gets fired because the team was bad. And generally speaking, when you're a bad team, you don't have a good quarterback in place. The Raiders have a good quarterback. Granted, he's not great, and there is a legitimate debate as to whether you should pay him $40 million a year or not, right? What? How is the roster better? Is it with Carr with $40 million, or is it trying to find somebody else for a lot cheaper? That's a legitimate conversation to have. I just, I don't know. I mean, maybe you're right that it was a head coaching job and a GM job, and they just weren't going to turn it down. But it's just, it's hard for me to be like, hey, I'm going to take the Raiders job. That team went to the playoff. They definitely have a quarterback that's top 12 or whatever. I don't like him anyways. Like, I, I don't know. I just have a hard time thinking like they'd absolutely take the job, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's the only offer. And they just, they jumped at it because yep, yeah, let's go do it. Let's try this. Let's be a GM for the first time. Let's let, let me try to erase what I did in Denver as a head coach for a year and a half and actually have a successful time. More and more. Are you going to the fact that they might in their back of their minds thinking we're going to tell the guy he's playing for one year? Yes, because if you're McDaniels and Ziggler, that is the best case scenario. Sure. That is for you. No doubt you. about Yes, that is the best case scenario you can have because the, the scary part of McDaniels and Ziggler is you give Derek Carr this extension, you win six games next year, and you don't have a very good chance to rebuild the roster because Carr's now making $40 million a year. And you're committed to him. If you give him a, you know, even if it's just a three year extension on top of his last year here, Coaches don't last four years if they lose, right? right? And, and if you give them that extension and it doesn't, and Carr's just, you know, a solid quarterback, but you can't build up a good enough roster because you're paying him $40 million, 
you don't make the playoffs in three or four years, you're gone. And now you basically tied your tenure to Derek Carr. And that's sort of the scary part is Carr's never really done anything. And you don't want to necessarily tie yourself to that quarterback. So if I'm McDaniels and Ziggler, that's my goal. My goal there's is no to... worry. There's no worry that he won't. Well, he wouldn't be happy. There's no question about that. Oh. So there's no worry that that could sour the locker room, that could sour things with him. Um, it would sour things with him. He, he, he and yeah. the agent would not be happy at all. No. And I don't look. I don't know if they should be happy. I, oh. I get that they shouldn't be happy. He, you know, he's been in the league a long time. A lot of other guys out. get extensions. He should one hundred percent hold he, out. He, he, if, he, I think he. I hate the word deserved, but I think in his position in the league, he should get an extension based on what you know what happens in that league. So I wonder if it's a risk reward thing on McDaniel's part that says we're going to do this. Now let's see how he reacts. Right, that, and that's that's fair. Is how much this locker room cares about Derek Carr and how much Derek Carr would let that assuming he would play and not hold out or whatever, right. how much that would leak over into his leadership role in the locker room. It's like, yeah, I believe and hate these guys. Right. They won't pay me. And now I got to be the quarterback here. This and is, the leader. Yeah, this is gross. Whereas if they just pay me, I'll be happy and everything right. will be great. Sure. All right. Coming up next, look at UNLV and Ed Graney predicted it. They beat Wyoming easily. It's the press box on ESPN 1100 and 100.9 FM. Ed Graney over here yesterday on the show, confident UNLV was going to beat Wyoming. And look at that. Pounded them yesterday. Easy win. They rolled the victory in the end. What can I say? You're so good Made a this. shot, did a hot take. You're so good at Little this. Little hot take. You nailed it. All right. Here's an important question. Is Royce Ham now the best player on this team? No. Come on. <laughs> no. That Bryce Hamilton guy was three of 15 <laughs> from the floor. He can't be the best player. Pressing on senior night with the parents there. Pressing on senior Pressing. night. <laughs> okay. Royce Ham's performance last night. Terrific. It's it's one of like the best games that I've seen a UNLV player play. And he had 17 and 10, right? A, a good production night box score wise. But he hit. A few threes, three in this game, by the way, tied his career high, that were big shots simply because Wyoming was not guarding him at the three-point line. Wyoming was dropping his man into the paint when he would set a ball screen to take away layups, and Royce Ham hit some big threes. Those were very important shots offensively. But the amazing thing, right, Royce Ham was excellent on the defensive end, right? And David Mwaka gets some credit, Donovan Williams, uh, Victor Ewalker, like there were multiple guys. But it, for the most part, it was Royce Ham. Graham E.K. is the number two scorer in the conference. And UNLV essentially decided to let Royce Ham guard him one-on-one, right? E.K. shot six of 19 in that game. Six of 19 is terrible for a post-up player. I mean, it's terrible for a guard. For too. a guy who gets the ball on almost right. every possession. But a guy who is shooting from, like, within seven feet on every that. shot. Yep. That is terrible to be six of 19. And UNLV's defense is why they won that game, right? Wyoming had 0.86 points per possession. Their worst offensive game of the entire season was last night. And the primary reason is because of how good Royce Ham was defensively against Graham E.K. Because afterwards, the interesting part is they did not double team, right? Wyoming throws it into the post on like every possession and UNLV did not double team. And afterwards, when I asked Kevin Kruger about it, Kevin basically said like, they considered it like they were, they practiced, they were planning to potentially double team, but effectively Royce ham was so good. They never felt the need to like that. Royce ham did such a good job against Graham EK that they never felt the need to send a double team at EK because ham basically had it covered up. And that's a key for Wyoming. They run a lot of post-ups 
And when teams double, they kick out and they shoot threes. And they, they did shoot a lot of threes last night. But when you don't double, there's less opportunities for kick out open threes. And Wyoming did not get those last night. It was Graham E.K. taking a six-foot shot and not making any of them. And Royce Ham not letting him get layups. I mean, simple take here, but I think we saw the soft, we saw the same thing with Roddy. I just think UNLV's athleticism plays out in these parts. I they're, think they're athletic guys, and they can do things. And we saw Mensa do the same thing against EK two nights before, whenever it was. I think if you're athletic, you have a shot at some of these guys. The interesting part on UNLV's post-defense is a lot of it comes down to how the referees are calling the game. Because if you remember the first time they played Fresno State, um, Orlando Robinson drew 11 fouls in that game. Right. And UNLV's bigs were in foul trouble early and throughout the game. And Orlando Robinson and Fresno State won that game. Orlando Robinson was the best player in that game. Since then, they've done it to David Roddy twice. They've done it to Graham E.K. now. And they did it the second time they played Orlando Robinson. UNLV's post-defense has been phenomenal. Mm -hmm. They have not given up anything. Now, again, I think a lot of it goes back to how the referees call it. Because last night, if Royce Hamm picks up two fouls in the first four minutes of the game, that's a completely different game. Right. UNLV probably starts double-teaming E.K. Like, that's a completely different game. But when they don't pick up fouls, and I do think a lot of it is simply the refs, not necessarily how UNLV plays, because there's some inconsistency in what guys call, that if UNLV is allowed to play, they're going to do a very good job defensively against most post players. Now, I've given credit to Royce Ham. I do need to yell about Wyoming. How is that team any good? That is the worst offense I've seen in the entire <laughs> Mountain West this season. Air Force sucks. Air Force's offense is better than whatever the hell Wyoming did last night. They legitimately come down the floor, throw it into Graham E.K. and watch. Yeah. Stand yeah. and watch. And Graham E.K. doesn't have post moves. This no, guy he, does, just, he just backs people down with his size right. and does a little hook and he, hope it goes in. And if Royce Ham, like he did last night, stands his ground, Graham E.K. just kind of has to turn around and throw it at the rim from six it's feet away. It's not even a shot, by no, the way. Yeah, it's, it's more like a spin. Right. That offense is terrible. What, like and then their second their secondary offense was Hunter Maldonado, Hunter Maldonado posting Maldonado, up yeah. while everybody stood around and watched. Now Maldonado was much better, and they probably should have done that more He's often good. than Graham Ike. But that they let Graham Ike take 19 shots, and all of it was just throw it into the post and stand and yeah. watch him go one on one with Royce Ham. How have they led the Mountain West in offensive efficiency? That that was terrible. That was genuinely the worst coached offensive game I've seen this season. Is it more Mountain because most people double and he get, and they get shots and they I can guess, hit shots? And I'm I'm guessing he's able to back down, you know, lesser defenders. Most anybody. Right? Like, and again, credit to Royce Ham for doing a good job. But like, how does that work? How have they been because again, they were number one in offensive efficiency in the Mountain West going into that game. How does that work? That is terrible. Two straight games now. Teams have first with men since San Diego State, now with Royce Hammond, you know, be because they're athletic guys, two straight games because San Diego State didn't double them either. Yeah. They just said, Mensa, go ahead and guard them. You know, the number one deficiency, defense efficiency in the country. And if you don't, and if you double them, you're, you know, you're saying that you can't guard them one on one. You need, you need help. And two straight games now, more athletic guys have guarded him and done really, really well. Yeah. Now, yes. every team in the league can't do that because they don't have athletic right. guys, athletic bigs like that. Right. And that's when apparently they've been, you know, efficient offensively because, like you said, he kicks things out and he sees shooters and they and they make shots. I don't think there. I don't know if there's any other answer to your question about them being offensively good. Uh, what what, what else would it be? I don't. They think double they the post and there's guys open. If they play anybody with like decent with with one decent post defender, I, Grammy K can't like right. 
He literally d- d- doesn't have a post move. He, I don't think he made one legitimate post move last night. It, of the 19 shots, I think at least 10 were like spins off his hand. It, yeah. They weren't They weren't even like shots. He just kind of threw it up and <laughs> hoped it went in. You know what I mean? It was very strange. This first time I saw him live, but it's like Roddy. They they did the same thing with Roddy. They, they're they very good. They're really athletic. I think their athleticism helps them a lot with, you know, guarding these interior players. I, we're going to see next week who comes out. Now, EK is going to make the first team. I get that, and so will Roddy. Well, they've had great years. They've been phenomenal. They've had, but I against UNLV, <laughs> you if you only it. watched the UNLV tape <laughs> of both of those guys, you'd say, okay, are those guys even 13 players? You'd be like, why are they in the league? Yes, exactly. I mean, yeah. He was six of nineteen yeah. last night. That's that's bad. That's really bad. Now, the other interesting part of this, and it and it ties a lot into what Royce Ham did last night. I what was it two days ago? I told you that their defense uh, is the reason they're not good enough to go to the NCAA right. tournament. <laughs> their defense is the reason they won that <laughs> game last night. <laughs> like UNLV's offense was not good last night. Like that no. was like you like Bryce Bryce Hamilton was three of fifteen, and and Wyoming was one of the more aggressive teams at just a not letting him catch passes and b any time that they'd give him a ball screen Wyoming would just send a double at him like they were very aggressive about Bryce Hamilton's not getting They did his. that a lot by the way. Right. And Hamilton's I mean he still took 15 shots cuz he's he's still going to force his shot right. at times, but him not scoring last night that was a big issue. The interesting part though is that the defense is the reason they won. And now we've gotten back to a point where I don't know if this team is good or bad defensively. Right. I, right. I, I don't know. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't know if they're good or bad offensively. I mean, for the most part, they've been very good offensively. But last night, they weren't. And you take, so the last two games, right, against the best offensive team in the conference, UNLV was dominant on the defensive end. The game before it against Boise State, against, against the, the, best, against second, the best second best defensive, defensive team. team they were dominant offensively. They were dominant offensively. Right. Now, not not enough to win because their defense got yeah. torched by Boise State. But it's like, what is this team? Right. Like, the, that's the exact opposite of how that, like, last night should have been a shootout. Last night should have been in the 80s. It should have been like the Boise right. State game. That should have been a high-scoring game. When they played Boise State, that game should have been in the 40s. Right. Right? Right. And it's been like the exact opposite. They're good to the point where they keep winning, and they're, they're certainly got a chance to win the Mountain West Tournament, knock off a few of these good teams. We've seen them do it in the regular season. But I have a hard time telling you what they're actually good well, at. They're capable of losing the first round exactly. and, and, seeing it and see you later. Because it, th- here's the thing. If they put together the good defensive game against Wyoming and the good offensive game against Boise State, they're beating every single team in the conference. Right. They're right. Not, it's not even a question. Right. But if they put together the bad offense against Wyoming and the bad defense that they had against Boise State, they're, they're losing the Air Force. Right. Like, like they're going home even if they play one of the bad teams in the first round. Like, I... They're more often good than bad, right? But I'm still not exactly sure what they're always good at. It's just sort of all over the place. Coming up next, Eric Eager joins us from Pro Football Focus. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Eric Eager and Eric before we get into any combine and what's happening in ND, I, I want you to help us out with some Raider speculation here because Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler talked yesterday. They said they haven't had any conversations about getting an extension done with Derek Carr, but also said that he's absolutely the week one starter and that that's the plan for him to start in week one. Uh, how likely is it that they just try to make Derek Carr play the last year of his contract out before committing long-term to him? 
Yeah, I think that that's, um, you know, he's coming off of what I would consider, you know, other than 2016, sort of his best kind of two, three-year stretch of football that he's had in a while, especially, you know, having to overcome, you know, losing his play caller last year and head coach. Um, you know, you might be buying at the top of the market and, you know, in, in a in a situation where, you know, there are a couple quarterbacks uh, where you sort of have leverage where you say, well, if we can, you know, you know turn to – you know, somebody like Jameis Winston or somebody like Marcus Mariota or something like that, uh, you have some leverage over cars. So I, I, I think that that approach might be the best. I think an extension is going to be hard because this Raiders roster, while you know they made the playoffs last year, is not terribly good. And if you add more APY to what cars you know making, it's going to make roster building and team building around him, which is necessary for a quarterback quarterback like him, a lot harder. Is that? Risk reward, and, and I think we're both with you. They haven't even, according to McDaniel's, they haven't even talked about this extension. So maybe that's their play here. How much uh, is it risk reward for a quarterback like that who's been the leader, who obviously whose agent and him want the extension to do that in terms of what his response would be, or should they even care what his response would be? I mean, it, it's a, a you know, it, it's a business, right? And and just like Derek Carr shouldn't take any less. Uh, you know, to, to help the Raiders out or, or unless he wants to. Uh, I don't think the Raiders should, you know, do anything, you know, with his – this sounds crass, you know, it sounds harsh, but, like, it, it's not a consideration they should make. I mean, the player, if they were put in a similar position, would, would do, you know, what, what it was in their best interest and not necessarily what's in the best interest of the team. So I, I think that it, obviously that's a consideration, but it's probably one that's a little overblown. All right. Combine-wise, I don't think you can do any of this in Las Vegas sportsbooks. Are you actually betting on if people are doing like 25-and-a-half, 36-and-a-half reps or how fast their 40 time is? Are you actually betting on these? So, so yes, but the limits are so low that it's not like actually, yeah. I mean, it's like 25 bucks uh, some places. Uh, but, yeah, they're offshore. It's just kind of fun and, like, you know, from somebody like me, I'm like, you know, I'm a math person. I'm not a scout or anything. And obviously, you know, I like, you know, the measurements matter, but, um, you know, <laughs> you got to talk about something <laughs> when you're here, if you're somebody <laughs> like me and, and I'm not going to be talking about how well the guy puts his hand in the grass. You know what I mean? And how much do you guys do so much research on, on all these players? How much do you really walk away from Indy with more a sense of what kind of player they'll be? You do. Uh, it certainly matters. Um, I think it'll matter less and less now that as we get continue to get tracking data on players, um, because we'll be able to sort of determine how athletic they are, um, you know, with their on-field stuff. Um, but but it, you know, it does matter, especially for positions like edge, for positions like you know, cornerback, wide receiver. The the forty-yard dash time is less of a like, hey, this is going to be an enhancer for a player, but it's more of an eliminator. If a guy comes in. He's teased Tabor and he runs a four seven. Like <laughs> you're probably not going to want to take him all that high at cornerback. Um, you know, obviously, I think a lot of the sins are sins of commission, where a guy like John Ross, you know, gets drafted more highly because he runs fast here. Um, but it, to me, it's in a lot of in a lot of cases, it's kind of an eliminator. If a guy is not a high end athlete, I'm probably not going to take him in the top five as an edge player. Uh, if he's slow, I'm probably not going to take him with a day one or two pick at wide receiver or corner. Uh, you know, stuff like that. What is your uh, favorite drill or measurement that you're going to see there? Because I think my favorite is getting quarterback hand size. Uh, yeah, so for the for the last, I think it's hand size for quarterbacks. Although there is some like you know, there is some evidence that it matters a little bit uh, as far as like you know, obviously your turnovers and stuff like that. You, you 
can have more fumbles with, with smaller hands. And, you know, weather is a lot easier now. Gloves are a lot better now, so I think it's tapered off um, as far as importance. But, yeah, that one's a funny one. Uh, bench press is interesting because you can certainly tell who takes it seriously. Uh, we all remember when Fred Smoot, like, went in and couldn't bench 225 once and, like, I think hurt his pack doing it. <laughs> so, like, that, that, you know, you can sort of see who's prepared for these things. Um, but, yeah, you know, none of them individually are all that, uh, you know, mesmerizing. It's sort of the whole package for a player. If a player puts together a bunch of good drills here, just as, like, with DK Metcalf ran, like, a 4-3 and ran a bad three-cone and he fell to the back half of the second round, it's, it's almost like you have to almost – you have to get straight A's here, uh, weirdly, uh, as opposed to just being good at a few of the drills. Corral won't uh, participate. Others won't as well. Any feel in these quarterbacks? I know you've written about these quarterbacks in terms of who goes where. Uh, yeah, so right now in the betting markets, uh, Pickett is the favorite to go first. He's uh, among the quarterbacks. He's plus 120. Um, and then it's Malik Willis at plus 150. Um, you're getting kind of the tropey stuff where people are like, oh, I'm surprised at how smart Malik Willis was. Like, okay, the, you know, so you're getting some of these narratives that are coming out um, that might move that a little bit. But those two are the, the front runners. Uh, a long shot that I kind of like, though, I think there's a lot of really smart people who think really highly of Desmond Ritter, um, and, and I think that he might go high, more highly than uh, maybe we anticipated when he played at Cincinnati last year. He's currently 40-1 to 1 in the betting markets to be the first quarterback taken. I think that that's a little – those odds are a little too long. I think, he, you know, this could be very well like an E.J. Manuel-type draft where, um, you know, the first team that takes a quarterback is a surprise and the quarterback that they take is a surprise. Is Ritter the guy you like? Like, if you were to pick which one of these quarterbacks is going to have the best career or be the best NFL quarterback, is, is Ritter the one you're going with? Uh, yeah. So, like, I've, I've sort of – I think, like, Kenny Pickett is Jim McMahon-like. Uh, low ceiling, high floor. Uh, I think Desmond Ritter is probably the, the, the player ready to play immediately, but I also think there's a low low ceiling there. Um, the running threat helps when you're young. And I think the player who could be – who could actually be a superstar in this class is Malik Willis. I think, you know, to me, he's kind of a, as an athlete, he's sort of a combination of Vince Young and Dante Culpepper, big and fast and moves well. And then as a passer, I think he's, he's underrated. Uh, besides the quarterbacks, have you seen, will you see a couple guys that you, you probably did, weren't sure were going to shine but came out of this thing like their, their stock rose high? Yeah, I, you know, with wide receivers, it's always like, you know, when the 40 comes out and, you know, uh, there's always a guy that surprises you with his speed. So, you know, in that top end, and this is something that the Raiders care about, you know, all rounds of the draft. But, like, you have, you know, Traylon Burks, you have uh, Drake London, you have Chris Olave and, and Garrett Wilson, you have Jahan Dotson at the end of the first round. Um, and I think, I think that, you know, that ordering is going to be different for different teams. As Raiders fans know this specifically, like they took Henry Ruggs in a draft where uh, I think Jerry Judy and, and CeeDee Lamb were preferred by most teams. So I, I, you know, I think that the very much and in large part because of what he did in Indianapolis. I, I think that, you know, if Drake London, I don't think he's going to test, but if he were to test and test slowly, that might, you know, curb a little bit of people's enthusiasm about him as far as not being a separator. Um, if Olave or Wilson, uh, test positive, they could leapfrog him, and then Traylon Burks coming in at two twenty, two hundred twenty pounds. Um, he tests, you know, he runs, uh, you know, a good forty or something, or if he runs a forty, um, you know, that might help him being a, a, a kind of AJ Brown type receiver who's very physical and and, and a good run after the catch guy in a, in a in a league where we're starting to prefer the Debo Samuel types uh, a little bit more than we used to. 
is there one of those handful of first round wide receivers you like more than the others? Uh, I, I, I like Burks a lot. I think okay. he's the kind of player. A lot of these teams need a, like an Anquan Bolden, you know, the, the big physical gets you a first down wide receiver. And I know the Raiders, that was something you had. Hunter Renfro was certainly a, a good target there. Not necessarily as physical, um, but like, you know, I, I think every team could really use a good, like possession receiver is the wrong word, but a guy who shines with the ball in his hands uh, before the first down marker. Um, should we expect any of them to be as good as a Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase right away? I know a lot of that probably depends on where they go, but could any of them be that good next year? I I, I just think it depends upon where they end up in a lot of cases for wide receivers. Um, you know, chances are the answer is no, um, but obviously you, you do have drafts like 2014 where all the guys end up being pretty good. Um, uh, you know, I think, I think that that's, I think the answer is probably statistically no, but um, but again, uh, that as the Bengals have shown, uh, when you take a guy there, it's a franchise changer if he hits. Well, he is Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus joining us from the Combine. Eric, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. So there is Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus uh, at the Combine. I do have an important update for you, Ed. Matt Corral uh, got weighed, yeah. got his height, hand size, nine and five-eighths. That's a half inch bigger than Derek Carr's hand. Okay. So. Those Mississippi guys. That's right. We got big hands. Come with big hands. I mean, he's from California, but, you know, <laughs> close enough. Um, big hands, which it's too bad Jared's not here for combine week because Jared yes. loves the hand size. Yes, he does. He loves the hand size. It's Danny, like his are you favorite into hands? <laughs> I, uh, I, don't, I don't think I am. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? Jared loves hands. It's his yes. favorite thing. Loves them. And, like, well, do we know? I need this check. Is Kenny Pickett getting his hand measured at the combine? Because remember the story he was at, what, the senior bowl or whatever, and he said he wasn't going to get his hand measured because he's, his thumb is, like, double-jointed and it, I don't know, points the wrong direction, so it's going to be a small measurement. Well, if he kept saying no, how, would, how much would that turn off your teams? He's still going in the first round. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't know. I, has Jared infected me? Because I was going to be like, I wouldn't care too much about hand size, but I think Jared's infected me where I'm like, well, if he's got bad hands. I don't know if you can take that guy. I think it's a combination of Jared and Derek Carr fumbling. Because Jared keeps talking about it, and Derek Carr does have below average hand size for NFL quarterbacks, and he fumbles a lot. So it's like I'm getting the confirmation of Jared's dumb I mean, opinion. I guess if he throws at the combine and he's okay there, it might Take away whether he has his hands. But man, you can't fumble. But then again, if you throw well at the combine, why don't you have your hands measured? Yeah, you can't fumble. That's true. Yeah. Going into the end zone. That's been an issue. Giraffe Matt Corral, he's got bigger hands than Derek Carr. That's the key. But like Eric said, all you can fix all that with just putting gloves on. Can you? I don't know. Derek Carr just needs to wear gloves. What if then you can't throw with them on? Yeah. That's why you put it on your off hand <laughs> and just <laughs> You know. Carry it with that. Yeah, well, just carry it with both hands. That might just help. Throw the with both hands. Just two well, hands. That forward. I don't know about. The, the problem is when you go to wind up and a defensive end slaps your forearm and your little baby hands drop the ball. That's the problem, right? Like that's the issue. It's that when you got two hands on it, you're just weak if you get if you fumble then. But when you're in the middle of about to throw and you get your hand whacked and you got little small hands, you drop the ball. That's what happens. That's why Derek Carr fumbles a lot. Right? Or that's what that's Jared's hypothesis. And now I'm parroting it like it's the truth.
I mean, I could kind of see it. I mean, there's some legitimacy to it. It should probably happen like once or twice a year, which shouldn't be that well, big unless of a they're turn. in key situations, right? But like for Derek Carr, he fumbles a lot, and it's been yeah. a problem his entire career. It's not like this is a new thing. Like Jared's absolutely yeah. hitting on Carr fumbling. I don't know if it's because he has small hands, though. His hands haven't matured. Well, I don't think they grow much after you get to 21 or however old, however old he was when he came in the NFL. But Jared has infected me with this damn hand size thing. And I'm going to tell you they should trade car, draft Matt Corral. He's got, bigger, he's got hand, bigger hands. Until I find out that Malik Willis's hands are even bigger than Matt Corral. Then draft Malik Willis or Desmond Ritter. I don't care which one it is. Just get the biggest hand. Imagine that. They draft the wide receiver because he ran the fastest 40 time and the quarterback that had the biggest hands. None of the other drills, none of his career matters. Just 40 time for wide receivers, hand size for quarterbacks. I'm already thinking that that's my, uh, that's my first report to you back from Raiders uh, camp. Oh, big hands? Big hands. <sighs> this is getting you weird. To- you told us Mariota was big. We never actually yes. got I never hand saw, size. I never watched his hands. All right. Coming up next, <laughs> find out how big Marcus Mariota's hands are. But first, we got a couple of tickets to go out to NASCAR in Las Vegas this week and two tickets for the Pennzoil 400 on Sunday, March 6th. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number eight at 702-364-1100. It's the Press Box on ESPN 1100 and 100.9 FM. Here's a fun story. Mark andre Fleury, not likely to get traded out of Chicago. NBC Sports Chicago has a story here where new Blackhawks general manager Kyle Davidson, he took over in October, is not going to trade Marc-Andre Fleury unless Fleury agrees with it. And the reason here is because the previous general manager apparently promised to Marc-Andre Fleury that he could sign off on any trade involving Marc-Andre Fleury, basically giving him a full no-trade clause, even though his contract only has a 10-team. No trade clause. Uh, Chris Johnston reported that Flurry is likely to stay in Chicago, that he is likely not going to want to be traded anywhere. He doesn't want to bring the kids and the wife and the whole family to Edmonton or to wherever he might go. Never have kids. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Here we go. Never have oh, kids. Geez. You're telling me Marc-Andre Flurry is going to refuse to be traded because he doesn't want to take right, his kids yes. out of school. Good dad. He's a good Never dad. Never have dad. kids. Can you see yourself with children and the poor kids like in a U, U6 soccer match? And it's like, it's sorry. Like, it's like short goes and, and, and Bischoff's got numbers on the sideline and afterwards the kid has to sit down for like an analytical talk. That's right. <laughs> oh. That's right. And you know Maybe what? Maybe you should never have kids. <laughs> I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Here's what you're telling me, by the way. Because Chris Johnson alluded to this too. That it, he didn't want to move his family. He doesn't want to move his family. Mark Andre Fleury is going to throw away a chance to play in the postseason, a chance to win another Stanley Cup, because he doesn't want to take his kids yes, out of middle school. Because he's got more bigger priorities. He's already got three rings. What's he need Don't another one? Have for? kids. What's he need another ring for these kids are going to have plenty more years of school after this. This isn't the only year of school they're going to have. They don't even like school. You know which side I'm favoring here. Yeah, the wrong side. No, no, no. The the lovable side. The the, the side where you love your kids so much you don't, don't want to be away from them. Have kids. What do you think? Danny be... tiebreaker here. I growing up, I moved around. Thank so. you. Get the hell to Edmonton. <laughs> I mean, you can you Army can always make. No, no. We just, just moved. Yeah, I mean, not not often, <laughs> but we moved probably like every three or four years. Different yeah. states. Uh, I moved out here in the middle of high school. 
from back yeah. east. So it's a whole like it's other side of the country at 16 years old. And your dad wasn't even playing for the Stanley Cup. He was not. See, <laughs> these kids are going to grow up and feel so guilty that their dad didn't their get dad one didn't more get chance to in the Stanley get swept Cup in the first round. No, they would beat the Golden Knights in the first <laughs> round. One more chance at a Stanley Cup because these kids were in what? How even old are they? They're not oh, going to remember third grade. If I can remember their, I don't even know if they're in third grade. What are they they're doing? Young. You can't pull them out of pre-K. It's tough, man. It's tough. They got too many good friends at their daycare yes, when they're yes, three years yes. old. They're, they're, they're. One are of a, you kidding me? One of them's me? class president. Never and she have can't, kids. She can't go because she's class president. There's a lot to do in third grade. Lots of decisions to make. It's beautiful. Never I, have I'm kids. So, I'm such a fan of this guy. Now, how about this? Let me ask you this. Did the GM four actually passed this on to the to um Kyle Davidson or is this once again the agent Alan Walsh Alan saying, Walsh saying, listen, listen, you can't Kyle, trade him because the last yeah, guy said he, this. he promised us that it could be we could have a no trade on anybody side note actually it's more than a side note the biggest moron in this story is Kyle Davidson the new general manager of the Blackhawks the Blackhawks well, need to rebuild. Yes, they're to, not to any relent, good. To relent to this is silly. Now, Flurry, his t- contractually, his ten team is his ten team. His, yes, he has a ten team yes, no trade clause. There are ten teams he cannot trade Flurry to without Flurry saying right. yes. Which means there are twenty one other teams he can send Flurry to without Flurry having any say whatsoever. Right. The Blackhawks suck. They need to rebuild. Flurry might be their best asset to trade the trade. He's a mid thirties goalie who teams want because he's actually decent and goaltending's hard to find. Right. And you're not going to trade the guy. You're going to because the, listen to the previous GM. The guy that got fired, whose job you took. Made the stupid decision to to tell him that he could deny any team. This guy's an idiot. If I would, if this was my favorite team, I would be furious with this guy. If I was the owner, I would fire this guy on the spot. Would you be more mad at this guy or for Flurry for having kids? Both of them. <laughs> I would be furious at both of them. You'd be mad because Mark Andre Flurry I'd decided be, to have I'd children. I'd be mad at these four-year-olds. <laughs> That are keeping Six, Flurry from going eight. to Edmonton. One, one, the, the, the little girl, the one little girl's a little older. She's like seven or eight, I think, if I can remember watching them play with Daddy on the ice. But you're telling me, as a GM, you're going to honor some other guy's promise? Well, now that's a complete. That, that's if, in fact, like we said, if in fact that happened, is this guy just listening to Mark Andre Fleury's as well? <sighs> the last guy said, "I don't have to go anywhere." I mean, nice I would probably promise. call that guy up and say, "Did you make this deal with this guy?" What a nightmare! And why would you adhere to that deal? You'd say, "Mark, right. I'm a new GM. Yeah. I don't. I, I like that you, guy. But, got fired for a yeah. reason. I'm here to actually keep this job. I'd fire him on the spot."